cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Winnig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Cause and effect. This is Heather Burns. I'm that early childhood nerd, and I've got a couple of dudes on the show with me today. <laughs> We're having another three way. Um, so, <laughs> I love three ways. Um, three ways are the best <laughs> episodes. Um, this one's an international fr- freeway. I almost said three way, three fingers. Um, Travis Taggart's with us. Hi. And uh, David Kahn is with us. Hello. He is in UK. That's what makes it international. So, um, Travis, will you tell everybody about yourself first, and then David, I'll let you do that. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, so I am. Uh, I own a priest, or I own two preschools, I guess we could say. <laughs> I own two preschools. Um, I've been teaching pre-K since about, I like I was fifteen or sixteen. Um, so I've been I've been in the field through a lot of changes for myself and through for the field and exactly how I look at the field as a whole. Um, and that's really about it. I have a blog called Progressive Perceptors, and we write about re- like real hard hard topics in early childhood education. Um, and it's if you ever want to get really angry at me, go read it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thanks, Travis. <laughs> All right, David, it's your turn. Hi there. Uh, my name is David, uh, and I'm in the UK, but as you can tell from my voice, I'm an American. Um, I'm here because my wife has a temporary job over here. And at the moment, I'm a teaching assistant at a nursery and a primary school, but I've also worked in early years in Australia and the US um, since 2007. And I have a blog called Child, the child care professional, which is, <laughs> I wish I had changed it, but it, that was an in joke. No, don't I love it. it. Why do you <laughs> wish you changed it? I don't know. It, it started uh, off as an in joke, but anyway, uh, <laughs> childcareprofessional.wordpress.com. And um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, the reason that I I wanted to talk to both of you is um, in a previous episode that Travis and I were talking on. Um, he mentioned a couple different times challenges that men face who work in childcare, and then uh, David wrote a blog post about men in childcare that I that I that I saw. Um, so I just thought it would be an interesting topic, and um, I'm not a bro, so <laughs> I needed to find a couple of you. To I don't talk know. About Do I that. count as a bro? Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I guess we'll know at the end of this episode. <laughs> Whether you meet that standard or not. So the quote that we're going to use as a starting point actually comes from David's blog post. Um, So I'm going to read it. Pay close attention, Travis. Okay. All right. Um, So uh, it's sort of a longer one than we usually do. But most people of any gender do not understand early childhood development or respect the deep intelligence or emotional lives of babies and young children. Sadly, this includes many people, yes, mostly women, working in early years. We do not need more men to do the same old thing in this anti-child culture. We need people of any gender to transform our sector and the wider society. Got it? 
Yes. <laughs> I've got it in front of me. Too. Okay. All right. Good, good, good. So I do want to get to to what this quote is really is really uh, leading us towards. But first, I would like, can you guys just like describe what it's like to be a man working with young children and what challenges you faced? And Go, Travis, go. Oh, go yeah. me? Okay. <laughs> well, I feel, I don't, I don't feel like I've experienced a lot of the, um, a lot of the challenges that more, I would say that I'm non-gender conforming a lot um, in the way that I do things, the way that I talk, the way that I act around kids and parents. Um, so a lot of the times, for some reason, that gives people a little bit, it makes people a little more comfortable um, but I have seen and I've hired men who are a little more masculine, who are more gender conforming, who they do get a lot of flack and the parents kind of they they feel like almost nervous around them. Like you can tell like the second they're in the same room as them, they feel nervous and staff members, too. Like there was one time where I had a staff member get really upset with me for allowing one of my teachers to be in a bathroom alone with a child because he was a man. Um, and then I've heard when I hire people, when we're going through the interview process, they'll ask me questions like, am I allowed to change diapers because I'm a man? Am I allowed to be in a room alone because I'm a man? Because there are apparently rules at some places, which I think are probably not acceptable. Legal. <laughs> yeah, legal, where they cannot be alone with kids. They can't change diapers. They cannot, um, they cannot use the same restrooms as the kids do or the other teachers do. It's so weird. That and and I think part of it is that they there's no big conversation going on. They just kind of accept it because it's an awkward conversation to have, and so it's one of those things where it's like I haven't experienced it so much. I think I've had one parent have an issue with me being a man in the entire time that I've worked, or at least outwardly, at least to my face, have an issue with me being a man. Um, and so when I see it and hear about it, it's it's really shocking for me. Because it's, it, I know it's true. I know it's totally true. But for some reason, I have been able to kind of skirt. So perhaps it might be the masculinity that people are afraid of. Perhaps <laughs> it might just be um, the fact that there's, it, it, it almost, there are some men who almost feel awkward being in this job. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where you got to kind of have to push yourself into it. Yeah. And if you're doing everything you can to push yourself into it and people are still having an issue, then someone needs to be called out on it for sure. Okay. Yeah. And what what do you think, David? Um, I, I've I've had I've had a couple people have problems with me, but mostly nobody's been that bothered by me. I've had um, one parent in England not want me to change their kids. Um, they say nappies. <laughs> I've had a couple weird looks, but for the most part, um, working in Seattle and Melbourne, I don't know if it's like a big city thing or not but i think plenty of people do want to have men in the field and a lot of people are very welcoming but but yeah i've gotten a couple weird looks i've talked with other men who've dealt with what travis talks about mm-hmm. and um um i don't I, I don't want yeah i don't know i my, i feel like my quote discounts that experience but it, like what but, travis talked about is real it's totally real yeah well yeah. and you know that's one piece of the blog post you definitely yeah. address yeah. those other things in your blog post yeah. so um yeah. and we'll post the link to that probably when this episode goes out so that people can go and see the whole thing but yeah. um so i was making some notes while i was listening to you guys um 
because I, so I, I've been a center director, um, and my ex-husband worked in childcare for a while. Um, he was my assistant teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I don't remember him having any, any problems, but maybe it was because there was already trust with me and they knew that he was there because of me. And so maybe that was why there was no issue. But when I was a center director, when I hired my first male teacher, um, uh, I did, and it was a toddler teacher one year, working with one-year-olds. So of course the diaper issue came up mm-hmm. and, um, and, and that was a hard conversation for me to have with, with parents yeah. who, who were concerned. Um, but, but my, my feeling was if I say, um, okay, you're uncomfortable with this, so we won't let him change diapers um, and cave in that way to that pressure or that misunderstanding, then I perpetuate the problem. Yeah. Um, so, so we have to be able to um, really articulate what we believe in so that when those conversations are happening, um, we, we don't contribute to the problem. So I know, are there, are there ways that you've had success when, when that has come up or that the people you're working with have had success when, when there's some doubt or some, some worry with parents? Well, I think that we talk a lot about trust and how parents have to have trust in where they're putting their children. Um, I know, I think it's, I think it's Lisa who talks about how she would expect parents to be able to give her a key to their house and their car. If they if they wanted to bring their child to her, they needed to trust her with the key to the house and the car. Because if they can't trust her with that, then why on earth are they trusting <laughs> them with their children? Right. Um, and so it's one of those. If someone came when in the past, when a person has come up to me ha- with an issue that I have a male teacher on staff, it's it's almost been offensive because I'm sitting here like, who do you think I'm letting do this job? Yeah. Where nobody would like. Where, first of all, I would hire somebody who's going to hurt children. But right. second of all, where nobody else would notice and then flip out on somebody if they felt that that was actually happening, that something bad was actually happening yeah. to children. Like, if you really think that I'm just going to hire anyone off the street without any kind of background check, without any kind of trust between myself and the person I'm hiring, then get your kid the fuck out of my center. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why because, would you be there at all? Like, you, you don't have to like me, you don't have to trust me, but you do if you're going to bring your kids to me. Mm-hmm. So, you're, right. like, if you don't, if you can't get those things, it's not because there's some kind of disconnect, it's because there's something in you telling you not to do it. Send your kids somewhere else. You should always be totally certain of where you're putting your children, or else you're going to be the parent who constantly impedes everybody's development by always being the roadblock. Mm. It's, yeah, it's, it's horrifying and it's annoying because it's happened before. (laughs) Cause the, I mean, the exact same thing has happened when I hire teachers who are people of color. Oh, really? The exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, like they won't say it outwardly, but the second they walk in, I had a male teacher who was a person of color and he, just got the worst looks like they were like why on earth are you here like those kind of looks and it was horrifying and then i had to be the asshole who jumps in and says get the fuck out if you can't handle it (laughs) well i think we found the title of this episode (laughs) get the fuck out if you can well that's 
in in all of in all of my workshops that comes up at least once get the fuck out if you can't handle it because i can't i can't do the old if you can't stand the heat it's not it's not explosive enough (laughs) (laughs) oh god okay so how about you david have you found ways to kind of talk through that that you i think i get over a week or two when they when parents get to see the relationships I get to make with their kids like I think it'll, it almost all settles down they're like oh my kid loves this person and they they follow what they follow what that um their kids doing and that helps a lot yeah that's and, a good point just working yeah. on that trusting relationship yeah and that can only come with time right I, I just think it's so fascinating like I don't think I've ever in my life been told like men who want to be around children are rapists but it's in, but it's in everybody's head yeah like it's so like have have you heard that explicitly like why is this why is this such a thing well you know no one has said i'm afraid he's going to molest my baby when he's changing the diaper yeah. but they say and they make the face you know like a mm, yeah. i'm not sure i want him changing the diaper Yep. And what other conclusion do you come to from that? Yes. I mean, yes. yeah, because you're concerned about the male teacher's sanitation. I, you know, are we yeah. worried that he's <laughs> going to come in contact with something? No, we're not worried about him. We're worried about that baby who's getting a diaper changed. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where I struggle w- with it myself because when I have that conversation with a parent, and it's usually a mom, yeah. um, I have an you know an automatic negative reaction. Because, you know, it's discriminatory and it's sexism and I react strongly to those kinds of things. Um, But I also am one of those people who feels like if I can present you with a logical reason to stop being concerned, you should stop being concerned. Mm -hmm. So if I say, you know, statistically, they're more likely to be molested by somebody at home. But that's not really a very effective response. <laughs> I don't I don't actually do that, but that's where my mind goes right away. Yeah. So I yeah. have to I have to really slow myself down. And the first time it happened, it caught me by su- it it's caught me by surprise, so I wasn't prepared for it. Yeah. So yeah. once you've had some time to to know, well this is probably something that's gonna be recurring, so I should figure out yeah, and it's it's a conversation that we're having sort of as a country right now, whether or not people with penises are <laughs> penis are, are mindless sex maniacs that just want to rape everything that moves. Right. Yes. Um, because we're having this whole debate over whether or not transgender people should be able to use the bathroom they identify with. Yeah. So that I mean, you can go on and on about how it's just about it's just about keeping things binary, but in reality it's because they don't want people with penises to be in a room with people of vaginas uh-huh. and it's it, i mean I, I do. The, the, implica- <laughs> the implication is the implication is that the people with penises are just mindless sex maniacs who want to rape anything that moves so it, it, it's kind of implied constantly like yeah. nobody wants to say that but you're absolutely right yeah yeah and yeah. i i think identifying that and recognize because even if like it's not it's not wrong to have that gut feeling to come out it's totally not wrong because um i would never tell somebody that they are sexist for not wanting a man to be in the restroom with them i would never tell them that because a lot of people like a lot of women it's it's a like it's a gut feeling Mm -hmm. 
you you don't because they don't care about the transgender person a lot of the time. They care about the the quote unquote dude who's just gonna run in there because he can just claim he's a transgender afterward. Like that's not how it's gonna work, and probably that's never gonna happen. But the the where the uh, the feeling of being wary, I I totally identify with that, and I understand that people should have the right to be self-preservative like that. Because, mm-hmm. of course, as a woman, the idea of some random man who is not transgender using that excuse to come in and spy on women is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yes. But So the gut feeling isn't wrong, but if you actually speak out about the gut feeling in order to hurt the people who are innocent, that's the line that you cross into assholeville. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where you become an asshole. So I would say that when parents come in and they see a man and they have the face, they do the uh, just the kind of yeah. uneasy face. Yeah, that's a good point for a director or a teacher to jump in and be like, well, I mean, I say this to parents all the time. What's going on with your face? Nice. <laughs> nice. But, what's going on? What's going on with your yeah. face? Just like anytime if they walk in, there's just like a jumble of blocks on the floor. I see that face and I go, what's wrong with that face? <laughs> what's going on yeah. um, because then they can vocalize it and if and a lot of times they're going to be a little t- it's going to be too awkward to be like oh well he's a man yeah. but I'm going to be like right, is is this an issue or is he an issue and what can we do about it what can we what can we talk about because you can catch that really easy and normalize it because it's the same thing with when they walk in and the room's a total mess I can catch them while they're feeling that gut feeling mm-hmm. and say What's wrong? How like what what do you need to talk about? What can we what can I help you learn? And then it, we can have a conversation on it and then they can almost process it in a normal way well, right then, there with me rather than processing it at home and just like sure. ruminating on it over yeah. and over again. Cuz that's when you wind it. up going crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you're initiating it. So then that solves for me. That salt would solve the problem of me having that triggered reaction. Yeah. I, I, I can kind of guess what they're already worried about, and I give them permission to say it, and then I've had a minute to process my own feelings about it before it comes out of their mouth. So I think that's a good approach. Yeah, just direct and honest. Mm-hmm. right? Then. Yeah. Which feeds it, then that trust that, that you talked about. That, yeah. yeah, and I think that this, the, the, the landscape for men in this field would be so much different had the McMartin preschool trial never happened. That was the one in California, right? Mm-hmm. That it was, was like satanic uh, rituals. And, yeah, and yeah. it was it was it was a case that ultimately we're we can say with pretty much no shadow of a doubt that nothing happened mm-hmm. there. No one did anything to those kids. But parents asked leading questions to their kids. Mm-hmm. They 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 would ask like Instead of asking what happened at school today, they would be like, did he touch you? Uh Did he do this? And they would keep elaborating these questions and the kids would just answer whatever they like. They would just answer whatever the parent thought they wanted to hear Mm -hmm. and they would keep going. So it started with a kid um, alleging molestation and then it turned to rape. Mm -hmm. And then the more questions that these police officers who have no idea how to speak to children were asking it went from molestation to rape to satanic rituals where they were per- killing bunnies in a basement that, right. be- that didn't exist. Right. We really and- love <laughs> Satanism in the 80s. I just, yeah. have to, just have to tell you that that was one of our favorite things to talk so, about. So, <laughs> well, while As we a can't... recovering fundamentalist. Though. Yeah. 
while we can't totally like I would never get up and say definitely nothing ever happened there because I don't know I wasn't there but as far as the claims that were made we know that those didn't happen because even after the, the fact kids. these kids yeah most of these kids have come out and been like oh we were just telling stories yeah. they wanted to hear a story we told them a story yeah. um, and so I feel like that if anyone's old enough to remember that that's kind of when it got when it got bad, when people You're were not like, old I'm not to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not old enough to remember that, but I do study neuroscience. <laughs> so that's one of the first things that you learn once you're in, yeah. when you're in the early psychology, yeah. because it's, it's, it's one of those things where it taught us a lot. I mean, it's one of those things where as a scientist, it had to have happened because it taught us a whole lot and it taught law enforcement a whole lot about how not to speak to children. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, the collateral damage was that people were pulling their kids out of anywhere that had a man in it. Mm-hmm. Um, because prior to that, I mean, it wasn't, un- I mean, it's never been uncommon for men to be in the field. It's just been kind of sporadic. Um, but prior sure? to that, men men were still sporadically involved. But okay, I'm they, gonna argue it, they were you. comfortable. Yeah, 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 go for it. Because you love, <laughs> I know you've been waiting for I me to argue arguing. with you. Yes. Um, so, so maybe it's just the phrasing. You say it's never yes. been uncommon. It's always been uncommon. Yeah, well, I, honestly, like I, it's like there may have I'm saying, always been a few. Yes, that's what I'm oh, saying. Okay. It's right. never been uncommon well, was, for them. That was it's never climactic. Yeah, right. It's never. <laughs> it's never been uncommon. I'm I'm speaking in like like scientific phrases. Okay. It's never been uncommon for them to exist. Okay. In the field, like it's never been looked at as gross or like as a whole gross or why would they want to be in this field? Mm-hmm. Like there have been those people, but they were comfortable in positions prior to the McMartin trial. Like it, they, they were still about as comfortable as we are now. Yeah. So there's like a lot of people be like the fact that men are in the field is so progressive. And it's like, no, they've been in the field, but now we're trying to get it so that they can be more comfortable because prior to this horrible case that went on, it, it was, it was they were comfortable in their jobs and a lot of times now and i think this is a problem that men face is that they fe- they look like they feel uncomfortable in their job and that also feeds the parents anxieties right. because yeah. they don't want to talk to parents they kind of sit off to the side because right. they're like yeah. does this person cuz nothing is worse than looking at a parent picking up at the day and being like does that person think i'm molesting their child yeah like and i've had that question before cuz there was one day From back when i no, like um, looking at a parent when you're a preschool teacher and asking yourself if you think if they think that you're molesting their child, gotcha. because there have been times where there was this little girl. It was back when I did time out. We've all so, done it. So well, maybe back maybe when I did, I don't know. And, <laughs> and it was a it was a brutal time out. Like she was, it, she would had just exploded screaming. I think she screamed. For six hours straight. After the timeout had ended, she was just screaming oh, that's and a screaming. Long <laughs> just screaming and screaming. She, they, they, the owner came in and grabbed her out and took her somewhere else. And then she still screamed and screamed and screamed. She came back and she just looked, because obviously she had, that's a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Screaming for that, screaming and crying for that amount of time does brain damage. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting there in the room just like shaking just like she had like just seen something horrible she was just shaking and a parent walked in and 
they looked at me and looked at her and I was like, yeah, we've had, we've had a day and they just like grabbed her. Like I had done something wrong and ran out like you would. Cause if you walk in and see your kid like shaking yeah. Yeah. and traumatics happen, you pick up, you go, right. you like, I would, if I walked into that, I'd be like that, that teacher did something to my kid and I don't like it. Yeah. And I did, I did something to her. I put her in timeout when she didn't like, I, I ruined her body autonomy that day. I picked her up, put her in timeout. She left, picked her up, put her down, continued this for almost an hour because she didn't want to sit down. And then it just blew into this whole big thing. And then when the parent walked in, I looked uncomfortable. Right. She looked uncomfortable. It wasn't a good scenario. Yeah. There's so many levels to that. <laughs> right. That yeah. could be a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it was, it, well, it's one of those things that, that was days before I made that dramatic shift away from what I had been like all the timeouts, all the yeah. r- rigorous academics. That was a day I, like that was two days before I made that shift. Yeah. So, but that brings me back to, to something you said earlier. One of you said, one of you said, and the other one nodded. So I made a note to come back to this about the men who work in early care and education feeling awkward themselves. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to, to expand on that a little because I wasn't aware that that was a consideration. So Travis, obviously you just described part of why <laughs> maybe that's true for you. Um, but have you experienced that, David, or seen other guys in the field experiencing that, just feeling themselves like they shouldn't be there? Or I, I used to. Yeah. Like So I've done it for about nine years, and I remember maybe the first, I don't know, the first while I was definitely awkward I felt nervous talking to parents I think it was partially also just being new to the job yeah probably yeah yeah but now I honestly don't care like (laughs) I I really don't and if I get a weird look like I I've built up like I I give the weird look back (laughs) yeah yeah I genuinely don't I I genuinely don't care but that can only come with time and um Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah okay so my next question then is do you feel like and, and I think I maybe already know the answer, but do you guys feel like an effort needs to be made to get more men into the field? I, 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 so I wrote which, my whole thing. Right, which kind of comes I, back to your post. Yes. On a surface level, I don't really... on a, Getting more men into the field as it is right now, I'm, I, I can't personally get that excited about. Uh, any men who, are, who want to be in it, I want to support them. I want them to feel welcomed. I don't want them to deal with ignorance and rudeness and stuff, even though they're going to regardless. <laughs> but yeah. there's just so many other way bigger priorities to me. And yeah. I, and I you can hold two th- Yes, I, I appreciate it when people welcome me and let me know I'm welcome. Yeah. But there's so much other work to do. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's like, it's... It's like too simplistic a thing to look at. Oh, we just need more men. Yeah. And one thing, Travis, you brought up that I thought was interesting was you felt like one of your staff who was um, a man of color, a non-white guy, faced the worst stuff. I feel like when we're talking about representation of child care providers and staff, it always is men or women, but we rarely talk about race. Right. And, how, and that's a well, whole other thing I'd like to talk about. And that's a conversation I've been trying to have um, in terms of just diversity. If we say that... We want, um, you know, representation. We, we want children in our programs to feel like they're visible yeah. and other people are like them. Then I think it goes 
of course, skin color and male or female or whatever, but I include folks with tattoos and piercings and crazy hair in that representation, too. Um, So I'll I'll get in trouble again probably for this, but, like, (laughs) my nose ring is against the dress code at work. (laughs) But I'm not taking it out because... Um, because I think we're really limiting ourselves for getting good staff if we're that narrow minded about stuff like that. And I, like we had a little girl at my center a long time ago whose mom was very young for one thing. I think she was, you know, maybe just out of high school and the little girl was two at the time we enrolled. Um, but mom was goth and had, you know, that style of clothes and her hair, her dark makeup all the time. And her hair was always a really wild color. And, um, the kids didn't care at all. You know, she was, she was just that little girl's mom. And I know I'm, I'm derailing the conversation, but, um, we were out on the playground one day and we were across the street from a high school. So teenagers were walking by our playground all the time. And a couple of goth kids who weren't her mom were just kind of hanging out, I think waiting for a bus. And this little girl just was so drawn to them. And she, (laughs) she just stopped everything and watched everything those two teenagers were doing. And it hit me that she was like, probably saying oh my god there are other people like my mom (laughs) yeah um and that's that's when i really thought i need to start advocating for this because clearly that made a connection for her but um but i think so so there's part of me that thinks yeah i want more men in the field just so the little boys and the little girls see men Mm -hmm. in nurturing positions sure um and and see people like themselves but i 100 percent agree there are bigger problems and i don't really yeah Representation absolutely matters, but I honestly have to say I care more about whoever's in the field, what they're what they're doing, right. and their practice and their pedagogy. Right. I would never hire just because there's a penis attached. Yeah. I'm presuming because of how they're <laughs> presenting yeah. to me that there's a penis attached. I would never presume. You know, I would never say I'm going to hire them over this better candidate just because of that. You know, I I always just want the best people. Yeah, and that's that's the fear of whenever whenever someone comes out and says we need more of X in early childhood education, you know most people are just going to take it so far and just take all of that X that they can. So and it's it's like if if you think that you get a gold star on your center for having a couple men, then then no, (laughs) like like if you're going to be the kind of person who touts a diverse staff. And the only reason you have a diverse staff is because you forcibly attempted to get a diverse staff. (laughs) Yeah. Then that's a problem because then you're kind of just making those people a commodity. You're making them an asset to your business Mm -hmm. and it's, it's not appropriate. Well, and I think then you might be hiring people who shouldn't be there just because of certain qualities that they have that want to fit into your idea of diversity. Mm -hmm. Whereas you should be, sitting there interviewing people and making sure that everybody gets a fair shot. And then in that, if you are not, if you're not doing that and then getting a diverse staff, then something's wrong with your interview process. Mm -hmm. Something's horribly wrong with your interview process or the people who are in charge of making that decision. Well, I think, I think being a man has gotten me jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask about that too. Uh, uh, Yeah. Uh, And yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I've dealt with the ignorance and the rudeness some, but it's also materially, 
like I think I was a decent candidate, but I I know they were the sort of place. I was like, oh, a man who's not a total idiot. Let's mm-hmm. grab him. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I've yeah. seen I've seen men in childcare programs, and I feel like I need to say I've been doing this for almost thirty years. So I've been lots yeah. of childcare programs. So I'm not talking about any one specific childcare program. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, but I've seen men being like fawned over and getting away with shit I couldn't get away with. And I've seen that too. Because we yeah. Not not me, but another guy. <laughs> another guy. <laughs> oh, it was me. It was always me. I was I took advantage of that. I could do whatever I want. Oh god, it was so good. <laughs> I can't do that now because I I have to be my own boss. Uh-huh. You can't fawn over yourself. Yeah, and I and I work at the as a teacher in the preschool, uh-huh. so half the time the director is technically in charge of me. <laughs> so, so I don't get to do that anymore. I don't get away with that. Bummer. Bummer. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's so sad. I cannot take extra 45 minute long breaks. Yeah, I can just can't do it anymore. Yeah. So the other the other thing I wanted to get to, which is in the part uh, a different part of your blog post, David, where you talked about um, the sexism of women being of of childcare being considered women's work. Yeah, and that feeding how we perceive men then when they come in. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Like, I don't know if what, like, the stuff I faced is sexism or not. I could go either way. It's it's not right, regardless. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, it doesn't, I don't think it compares to the sexism of how everybody just looks at child care and early learning. Yeah. And, yeah, like, it just, it, and who who cares about comparing, I don't know, comparing stuff is not always useful, but I think in this case it's absolutely true. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know that it's a contest, but no, of course yeah. it's not a contest. Yeah. But it's on one hand, like we like we know that the first thousand days are so important. We know the, the everything about brains from zero to five. And on the other hand, most most people in society think this is just what women who can't get real jobs mm-hmm. do because they think babies are cute mm-hmm. and they're just get, getting away with babysitting and because mm-hmm. they can't yeah they can't handle a real job. Right. And that that is the that's yeah, and that that doesn't get talked about mm-hmm. enough. And then and and how think, that goes into investment in the mm-hmm. field and so many other things. There's so many levels to it. Sometimes I that is used as a reason to try and get more men in the field because then we'll be respected. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another yeah. backwards approach that feeds yeah. the problem. <laughs> but I've yeah. definitely heard people talk about it in terms of. You know, if we had more men in the field, maybe we'd be taken more seriously too. And, well, and magically get paid more somehow. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I went I went the last workshop that I spoke at. There was a, a dude came up and sp- like said to everybody that we need more. If well, if we have okay, I should backtrack. The reason that he he his claim is that the reason which may be true or not, he, the reason that the field of childcare is so um, underpaid is because it's dominated by women and which may or may not be true. I, I mean, there's, a, there's, yeah, there's so problem. much, there's so much going into it, but I, I totally understand the thought that like, yes, this is a field dominated by women and a lot of men own childcare centers or corporations. So, I mean, there's that, there's look, there's that sliver of truth to it. But then he goes on to say that if we want good pay, we need more men <laughs> to, to which to which i mean i stood up and walked out halfway through because he went on and on about like um 
about force of like forcing diversity and stuff like that and all this stuff. I'm like, I'm getting out. Um, but so I didn't get to hear if he ever got called out on it. Cause yeah. I was just like, get, get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> but, but it's like, I, I'm sitting there like, so the only way that women can get a, a fair shot is if men, if you come in and rescue <laughs> if, us. Yeah, if we yeah. come in and rescue the field from the underpaid shadows. That's Cause very- I, I would I would venture to say that the reason childcare workers get paid so little is because the state, when they subsidize childcare, pays so little, yeah, and that's yeah. always been the start of it. That's always yes. because all of everybody's rates are based off of what the state reimburses. Mm-hmm. So I charge two hundred weeks or two hundred dollars a week for infants mm-hmm. because the state reimburses up to $200 a week for infants and it keeps everything level. Now there are some places that'll charge a whole lot more for infants, but then they don't accept subsidy because something yeah. about them, they decide that they are right. too good for that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like you can, it's like chicken or the egg, chicken or the egg, but no matter how many times the state says their rates are based off of market surveys, the market surveys were there when the rates were already there. So it's like, it's kind of bouncing. Stop so, pounding your table. <laughs> so people's, so people's pay, people's pay. This is why they don't give me podiums when I speak. This is why I have to like go around yeah. like with my lanyard. Um, <laughs> people, people's pay is totally related to how much profit we can get. And yes. even paying people like I pay people 10 to 15 an hour. Um, and after that, I can only expect after being full a whole year of children, I can only expect like a 9% profit mm-hmm. off of the entire tuition amount. Because it also costs a lot to do it well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Very, very labor intensive. Mm-hmm. But as a society, as a society, like just our, our will is not, uh, yeah, as a society, we don't care. And right. it's, yeah. and it's, uh, it's similar with. I don't want to say it's the same, but similarly with um, elder care as well. Yeah. Like you just see where our our um, values are as a society. Yeah. And that's uh, another whole huge discussion. Right, like, yeah. So, and so Brie and I talked about about that in our episode about the dehumanizing tendencies <laughs> yeah. of, of both ends of the spectrum. And, um, and it comes from the right. lack of attention or lack of funding from the mm-hmm. government yeah. and mm-hmm. the priority and right. political will. Yeah. I can't pay people $5 more an hour uh, using that 9% profit margin. Right. It's, yeah. it, it can't happen. So when people are going on and on about how it's it's the responsibility of the child care programs, which I know of quite a few that are making a lot of money, yes. big corporations yes. that, that run child care programs that make a lot of money mm-hmm. that could afford it, but those are not the majority of right. child care options yes. in the state. So right. if we're going to address the the pay issue, it needs to start with the government because right. it's our rates are just always going to be directly attached to what the government's willing to pay us. For it's not going to not going to solve the problem just to bring more men in to bring it back yeah. around to the topic yeah. of the right. episode. Definite, <laughs> definitely not. The yeah. magic penises. Yes, those magic. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> God. Um, so I that that kind of hits everything that I had made notes of that I wanted to say on the topic. Do you guys have anything that you want to end on? Or anything else you were hoping to sneak in? Say something, Travis. I'm looking at my notes real quick. <laughs> Talk, Travis. Um, well, <laughs> I think <laughs> that... <laughs> Hi, Wiley. 
Oh, yeah. No, he just walked behind. Was, oh, that's cute. Um, <laughs> I think that definitely we need to stop getting so caught up on gender. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely. Uh, I'm not saying we need to be gender blind. Yeah, <laughs> but, not the same thing. The same but thing. we need to stop being so caught up on it. Um, we can in, We can talk about real injustices all we want. Um, and we can talk about how those injustices are systemic, but I think in the long run, what men have to face in a work fa- in a workplace versus what me- women have to face in workplace, it's a good conversation to have. But in this field, it's kind of it's it's not really worth having because of the fact that um, everybody in this field needs to be an individual. Mm. Like we need, like it. It doesn't matter if you think women are more apt for this job or men are more apt for this job. It doesn't matter because it's the person. Mm-hmm. It, it that's all that matters is right. what the person can do and what they're apt to do. And if they can't do the job, then they need to get out. And if they can, they need to be supported. So I don't think we should be saying we need to support more men in the field. No, we need to support the good people. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Which is as which I pound on the table again. Quote. We need to support the good people. <laughs> okay, you're Looks like a you're, dictator. You're in timeout for a minute, Travis. Okay. <laughs> so, what do you want to? What do you want to end with, David? I entirely agree with Travis, <laughs> and um, he hates that. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> but I do. Hate it when people agree with right. me. That's that's when I start pooping on people's lawns. Nice. Well, That's my Dave protest. is really far away. Well, I'm far away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we interrupted you. Sorry. What, yeah. what do you want to end with? So, I don't know. Um, we got we had this whole discussion yeah. and ended up going to the government and how much they're willing to invest in it. Mm-hmm. That's a, that, that's just more and more interesting to me. Yeah. And just thinking about, I feel like calling for more men in child care is a very sur- surface level social justice right. issue. But the deeper level social justice issue is what's it going to take to get proper funding, investment, respect for the field as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. Which I um, think, I, so then I think, I, I, I agree with that, but then I think what has to happen for that to happen is for people to start valuing children. Yes. Which yes. is which is a hard, we say we do. We love to talk about how we value yeah. them and they're our future. And, yeah. but, but they're really mostly inconvenient to most people. Yes. And, 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 that, and that includes value. lots of people who work, in, in the field, or yeah, child care. yeah. Absolutely. We just we need to get to a point where our childcare centers are as developmentally appropriate for children as dog daycare centers are developmentally appropriate for dogs. If we can get to that point, at least. <laughs> oh my God, that's, that's, all, that's another episode. So we're <laughs> doing we, that one. If Doggy we, if daycare. We can, oh if we can get to that point where people understand children in this field as much as dog daycare workers understand dogs, yes. then we will we will be able to address all these other yeah. superfluous yeah. issues. It's- Once, a long time ago, I was the director of a community center for uh, school age and teenage kids, mm-hmm. and uh, we did a summer camp. And I remember I was talking to my mother-in-law about planning some training for the staff for the summer camp and she was like have you ever watched that dog whisperer show because i think some of that would really translate (laughs) it would (laughs) taking time to understand yeah (laughs) the inner workings so my first response was how dare you (laughs) and then i was like okay yeah you're probably right (laughs) 
just in level of commitment, if nothing else, and yeah. and and taking appropriate knowledge and then using that to inform practice. But um, okay, well, I think this is a this has been a really good one. Um, hopefully, maybe the three of us can talk again sometime about. I don't know, yeah. doggy daycare or the government. Yeah. <laughs> My two favorite subjects. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Any number, <laughs> any number of other things. So, um, um, Thank you both. It's, it's great to um, be able to talk to both of you. Yeah. Well, uh, th- yeah. thank you for being on with us. Nice to finally meet you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. face-to-face. Sort of. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of Cause and Effect. We'll see you again. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.